Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and all those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How were your eyes open? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, if he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, you are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, to them This is what is so amazing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone had ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. 
When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord. And he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see might see and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my wife would tell you that if the television is on, uh, I am like zoned out completely. In fact, she and the kids like to play a little game where they say crazy things to me, see if I notice things like, I'm having your alien baby. Sometimes I notice, and most of the times I don't. But see, the same is true of prayer. My friends, if we don't take our eyes and our hearts off of whatever has our attention, how are we going to see God? Because see, that's what prayer is. It is seeing God. We don't make the first move in prayer. We, We think that. We think that prayer is sort of like show and tell, like I'm informing God. It's the other way around. He wants to show us. He wants us to see. Maybe you've noticed that we've tried to make things a little more conducive for worship when you come in. It's quiet, there's darkness, we're taking moments of silence throughout the liturgy. But something I've noticed is that there's two kinds of people that come into the church. There's the prayer, and then there's the plopper. And the plopper waltzes into church and chats it up. Hey, how's it going? How's it doing? How's your week? Yeah, it's really good, yeah. You know, comes over and finds their seat and just sort of plops down. (sighs) Looks around, what's going on? Oh, you know, maybe checks their phone. How's things going? When's this show going to start, right? How long do you think Pastor's going to preach today, huh? The prayer comes in quietly. Stops by the water. Remembers their baptism and that they're loved. Reverences Jesus in his holy tabernacle and then pulls out the kneeler or sits quietly and prays. Now I can't see anybody's heart but which one do you think is better prepared to see God? Adam and Eve once saw God, right? In the garden. But then they took their eyes and their hearts off of God and into their own self interests. I'm going to be God now, right? So they had to leave the garden and they could no longer see God. And we're their children. And so we're born in the same condition. We call it original sin. But just like the man in the gospel today, we're all, we're all born blind. But Jesus spits in the dirt and he makes clay. He's playing in the dirt, much like God played in the dirt the first time when he made Adam way back when. But the spit, that's kind of gross, isn't it, right? If I spit on the ground, if I spit on you, ew, 
Spit is gross. Unless you're kissing someone that you love, then you don't even think about the spit, right? So think about it that way. That God kisses the dust and he makes Adam. And Jesus is doing it again so that this man can see what Adam once saw but lost. And he anoints the man's eyes with the mud, tells him to wash, and then he can see. And like Adam, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But Jesus kisses the dust. He washes us in baptism, and he anoints us with the holy chrism, and the Holy Spirit comes, and he opens the eyes of our hearts. He gives us faith so that once again we can see God. And then, on the last day, when he raises us up, we're actually going to be able to see God with our eyeballs again, the way Adam and Eve did way back in the garden. But in between our baptism and our resurrection, it is prayer then that gives us greater clarity and a sharper focus so that our hearts are synced up with, they're aligned with God's heart so that we can see what he sees. And there's five things in our readings today that he wants us to see. Number one, he wants you to see how he sees you. Did you notice, I think, I think it's kind of funny, that once the blind man was able to see, nobody recognized him. I don't know, I think it's the guy. Is it the guy? I can't really tell. Why? Because, see, they had never seen him. They'd only seen the begging and, and the blindness. But Jesus sees him. It starts off at the very beginning saying, Jesus saw a man born blind. Yes, he saw the defect, but he saw, first of all, a man. He saw the person. And when you look in the mirror, maybe all you see are the defects, the garbage and the baggage that you're carrying around. But see, Jesus sees you. Yes, he sees the defects. Of course he does. He sees everything. But he sees that this doesn't define you. Paul says in our second reading, you were darkness, but now you are light. So live as children of light. When we pray, Jesus' light comes and it blasts away the darkness of that sin and the shame and the guilt that, that we're trapped in. His love comes to us and all of that sinful desire in our heart gets burned up. In fact, a new fire of love is now burning within us for Him. And we begin to see and we begin to be who we really are. These children of light shining with His splendor. So second, closely related to that, is He wants you to see others the way he sees. Because we often fail to notice people. Or we only notice their failure and their faults and how they annoy us or how they've hurt us or how they're different from us, a different socioeconomic class perhaps or that lifestyle that we're disgusted with or maybe it's the color of their skin or maybe we just simply don't find their appearance attractive or beautiful or maybe we do and that's the only thing that we notice and it's prayer that transforms our vision 
for others. It's in prayer that we learn to repent for being so shallow and only seeing the surface and using our eyes to use people for our little fantasy world or to reject them in indifference or disgust. Jesus teaches us to see how he sees, to see the person a person of infinite value and dignity, a unique and unrepeatable gift that he has placed right in our path, a treasure that he cherishes for which, for whom he has given his priceless blood. In our first reading, it calls us out, right? We, people, men, people, humanity, we always see the appearance, but God sees into the heart. So in prayer, we learn to say, Lord, especially when somebody, you're struggling with somebody, right? Lord, Lord, help me to see the person you see. Third prayer changes how we see suffering because we all suffer. Now, we try to avoid it, and yet we can't. So when it comes our way, we resist it, and we fight against it, and we get angry about it, or we blame, and we make excuses, and we play the victim, Instead of seeing our suffering as that opportunity for the glory of God to shine. Of course, that's hard to do when you're in the midst of suffering, isn't it? Of course. I mean, do you think that this man, all the years before he met Jesus, saw his blindness as an opportunity for God to shine through him? Yeah, probably not. But today, at this Eucharist, whatever your suffering might be, Take it and put it on this altar. Give it over to him. Offer it up to him. Take your suffering and join your suffering to the suffering of Jesus. Because God is glorified in suffering, isn't he? And God saves us through suffering. That's what God does with suffering right there. That's what then gives us the confidence to say, Lord, be glorified in this. Fourth, prayer helps us to see a future. We don't know what happens after this, but we know before this story, this man had no future, only blindness and begging. But now the whole world has been opened up to him. He has a future, and I bet you he saw his future with Jesus. As we pray, we we start learning how to stop living self-guided lives. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? What are my dreams? All right, you college students, if you had a dime for every time somebody came up to you and said, hey, what's your major? What do you want to do when you want to graduate? (laughs) You could pay for college, right? (laughs) Absolutely. But see, those are the wrong questions. It's the same thing those of us who are raising our kids or helping our grandkids. What do you want to be when you grow up? No, no, no. Lord, who do you want me to be? What are you calling me to do? Jesus, what are your dreams for me? I want to see that future, Lord. And he will show that to you. And last, and the most important of all, it's in prayer that we see him. At the end of the story, this man was absolutely by the crowds, the Pharisees, even his own parents was rejected, and they're all very blind to Jesus still. 
And that's then when Jesus comes to find him so that he can see Jesus for the very first time. Not just with his eyeballs, but with his heart. And maybe you notice through the narrative, the man goes from calling Jesus a man, a prophet, from God, but it's only when Jesus finds him and shows himself to him that this man finally calls him Lord. And he worships him. Prayer, my friends, is the gaze of faith. It's the gaze of love. When you love someone, you want to see them. You want to see every bit of them. Spouses know this most intimately. Parents, when you brought your baby home, I bet you inspected every tiny little finger, every tiny little toe, every chubby little roll. You probably kissed them from head to toe. As Jesus shows himself to us in prayer, the affection of our hearts begins to swell to the point that our hearts burst. And only then do we find out there is still infinitely more of Jesus to see. I said at the first midweek service, I told you about a story of St. John Vianney who had a very poor peasant in his parish and would come into the church every day and pray in the back row. So St. John went up to him one day and said, hey, tell me how you pray. And this poor peasant said very simply, he looks at me and I look at him. See, that's praying. That's prayer right there. It's seeing. So let us pray seeing. Let us see as he sees. See yourself, see others, see your suffering, see your future, and above all, see him. So let's try that right now. In fact, I want to challenge you to do this every day this week, 30 seconds. You can even set the timer on your phone if you want. 30 seconds. Let him look at you, and you look at him. Just 30 seconds. Let us pray. Please stand.